Welcome everybody. Tap Out Talk proudly presents King of the Ring 1994 edition. It's the second time this event's occurred. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the results, the thoughts. I'm going to give you guys some quotes from wrestlers that you guys have not heard before from the event about the wrestling matches themselves. I'm also going to give you some fun facts and things you didn't know about this event that occurred behind the scenes in our final thoughts section. Without further ado, let's get in. It was 1994. There was over 12,000 people in attendance in this one from Baltimore, Maryland. And this is, again, the eighth edition of the King of the Ring tournament. It's the second event on pay-per-view, though. And with this event, we had a little bit of a lineup. We were told that the first round matches have a 15-minute time limit tonight. We're also told that the semifinals matches will have a 30-minute of and then basically then the finals match will get a one hour time limit if necessary. Participants in the tournament qualified in the matches during a televised WWF programming in the weeks prior to the event. The first qualifying match took place on May 7th this year, 1994. Erwin R. Scheister defeated Scott Steiner for the rights in that match. It was on WWF Superstars. The next qualifying match Seen on May 9th, 1994, Monday Night Raw, Razor Ramon defeated Quang, also known as Savio Vega, under a mask, in the Razor's Edge to win the right to enter this tournament. May 14th in 94, we got Mabel from Men on a Mission defeating Pierre of the Quebecers to qualify in a tournament. And two days later, May 16th on Monday Night Raw, a qualifying match where Bam Bam Bigelow would see a win over Thurman, Sparky Plug, a.k.a. Bob Holly. Bigelow going to get the victory as he will stamp and punch his ticket to the tournament. He made the finals last year against Bret Hart. Would he go again? The remaining qualified matches built up the tournament. They developed storylines that would play out during this pay-per-view in Baltimore. Lex Luger faced Jeff Jarrett in a qualified match. Crush came to the ring and fought with Luger. That'll come back to hit him later tonight. Also, Jarrett won the match by countout to advance to the tournament. Owen Hart was scheduled to wrestle Earthquake on May 23rd, 94 for that spot in the tournament, but the plan was changed after Earthquake left the WWF. To explain Earthquake's absence, the WWF showed footage of Yokozuna wrestling Earthquake and claimed that Earthquake had sustained a major injury, but actually was just part of the kayfabe storyline. Doink the Cloud took Earthquake's place, but Owen won the match to qualify for the tournament in consideration to be a finals champion. The 1-2-3 Kid would see Adam Bomb in a prelim match on WWF Superstars. The 1-2-3 Kid got the win after Quang attempted to interfere on Bomb's behalf. Quang accidentally smacked green mist in Bomb's face, allowing the Kid to get the victory. And finally, in the final qualifying match, Jimmy Del Rey was originally scheduled to face Tatanka on Monday Night Raw on May 30th in 94. But Crush took Del Rey's place. And the reason given, again according to storyline, was Crush's manager, Mr. Fuji, made a deal with Jim Cornette, Del Rey's manager at the time, to allow Crush to compete. The match ended in a double countout. And Fuji and Chief J Strongbow, who was seconding uh, Tatanka, got involved. This led 
to a lumberjack match on Monday Night Raw following the spot where Tatanka would actually get the win in this match to get the final spot in the tournament to take on Owen Hart first. It lays out all those prelim matches lead up to the most regal nights of events, which is the King of the Ring. This is the eighth King of the Ring to happen, but again, the second on pay-per-view. You see the bracket, you see the lineup, but let's see the action, let's get in. First off, we've got our first matchup, and that is Bam Bam Bigelow with Luna Vachon, who was in the finals last year, versus Razor Ramon. Bigelow is the heel, while Razor was the face in this matchup. Bigelow beat Sparky Plug again, as mentioned, and Razor beat Plank. Bigelow used his power with the two shoulder blocks to get a leg drop, and Bigelow went up for a headbutt. Razor moved, and the fans cheered as Bigelow hit the mat. Razor tripped up Bigelow by the turnbuckle and drove him growing first into the post. Razor jumped off the middle ropes with a bulldog for the one and a two. Razor wrenched a left leg of Bigelow with the art, wondering what Luna was screaming about at ringside. So, Basically, they had to explain to him. Razor then with two clotheslines, then Bigelow tossed Razor over the top rope on the floor. There was a bump there. Razor got back in the ring, and Bigelow hit an insiguri with the back of the head. At this point, the two go back and forth a little faster. Bigelow charges. Razor moved and hit Bigelow on the turnbuckle, so Razor hit a body slam. Razor went for the move, but stepped up. Bigelow went for the moonsault, so Razor gave him a power bomb into a pinfall on top rope off the top rope for the pin the one the two the three your winner at the eight minute 24 second mark razor ramon good opening match got the crowd going i would say this is a good these styles actually went together really well in this matchup so what we have here we actually have the overall king of the ring tournament beginning and in this one we actually had a Bam Bam Bigelow early elimination via Razor Ramon in this one, who would go on to go a little further in this tournament. Razor actually had a post-match comment, quote, only found in very rare sources. He said, quote, I've been one of Bam Bam Bigelow's biggest fans. I think he's one of the greatest stars in the World Wrestling Federation. He proved it tonight, but I guess the bad guy was just a little bit better. He should have added Chico in there. But ultimately, that was his quote. And I will say it's interesting that Bam Bam Bigelow is not in the WWE Hall of Fame as of today. Be interesting to get him into there, that beast from the East. Speaking of which, he had a post-match quote. It said, everything was going really well up until the end when I make one mistake. That one mistake cost me the match. I turned my back on him when I should have kept my eyes on him the whole time. I've got to put this loss behind me. Good matchup. Let's move on to the next matchup. It would be another King of the Ring matchup. We would see Erwin R. Scheister versus Mabel of Men on a Mission, the big man. There was a quick promo for IRS and Mabel talking about their matchup. Erwin R. Scheister walks to the ring doing a promo telling people to pay their taxes, as everybody loves to do that. IRS then asked, was asked about one of the wrestlers and said that he looked like a businessman. Way to pay attention. Uh, Mabel then was up next to his manager, Oscar Joinenum, who did a rap on his way to the ring. 
the one announcer had no idea who Mabel was, so he asked him for his name. He was kind of all over the place in this one, and throughout the night, actually. But the King of the Ring tournament is underway. We get some pre-match stuff. Basically, Erwin was the heel while Mabel was the face, and IRS beat Steiner to get into this one. While Mabel won, Mabel would go on, actually, to win next year's King of the Ring. So you know that WWE is wanting to do something with him. But what would they do with this big man tonight? Mabel with a running clothesline to start off and a body slam. At this point, we were wondering how much was this guy going to weigh? And Gorilla Monsoon on the mic says 500 pounds for Mabel. There was a suplex by Mabel when a fireman's carrying a leg drop. Mabel missed a corner charge when IRS moved out of the way. Mabel hit a turnbuckle and then hit a knee. Back in the ring, it would get some ropes and it would get some clotheslines. Mabel was slammed into an attempt to, to a cradle for a one and a two. That looked a little bit rough, but a good attempt by the big man like Mabel. Irwin was grounded at this point. Mabel with a chin lock and he's got it locked in. Mabel drove him back into the turnbuckle and Mabel hit a back body drop. Mabel was running, hits a running clothesline, bet another back drop. Mabel sent Irwin into the ropes, leading into a side slam for a one and a two. At this point, they're slamming back and forth, they're bumping, and then Irwin shakes the ropes and Mabel bumped into the ring, leading Irwin holding on to the ropes for the pinfall at the one, the two, and the three at the five minute 34 second mark. IRS gets the win and the advancement in this tournament. This match will be interesting. Post-match, Mabel says it takes a desperate man to cheat his way that like IRS did tonight. He knew I had beat him. He couldn't do any, nothing with me. So what did he do? He shook the ropes and he grabbed the ropes and then pinned me. No big deal, I'll get him back. For IRS, it was a very simple post-match quote on this one. And he says, I told everyone coming into the tournament that I was gonna take care of Mabel. I told everyone that it was time for Mabel, whoop, there it is, to pay the IRS. A good matchup to get IRS next. The right man won here. Mabel would get his time to shine in next year's King of the Ring. But IRS, it was time to pay the tax man. We get next a backstage segment. There's a Coliseum home video exclusive with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji talking about their guys, Yokozuna and Crush, in a match later on. And at this point, they basically yell at Coliseum home video to get out of their locker room so they can get ready for their tag match. But while we're getting ready, we're getting ready for our next King of the Ring first round match, and that is Tatanka versus Owen Hart. This matchup got underway, and again, looking at this, Tatanka was the face while Owen was the bad guy in the heel in this one. This was a few months after the biggest win of Owen Hart's career when he beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10 in the opening matchup. Bret would go on to, you know, win the world championship at that WrestleMania in his second match of the night. However, Owen did get the shocker in the opening matchup. So, this was three months after that. Tatanka was aggressive right away with hips to the turnbuckle on a back body drop with a suplex. However, they kept asking Tatanka's weight, Tatanka's style, right? So Tatanka, Owen ran the ropes, Tatanka with a deep arm drag, then a hip toss. There was a Mike Yoda. Uh, Tatanka slapped on a headlock and he gets down. Tatanka then with a shoulder tackle. Owen got a hold of him and sent Tatanka out of the ring. Landing on his feet, Tatanka with punches to the floor. 
Owen with, with an eye gouge, and Owen with Tatanka into the ring post. This matchup went a little bit back and forth. There was a shot of IRS and Razor shoving each other in the backstage area. But then we get back to the action here in the ring. Owen set up Tatanka in the middle ropes, running splash, and Owen and suplex and hits a headbutt and a gut-rich play. Fasting forward a little bit, Tatanka then hits multiple chops for a one and a two. Owen charges in, Tatanka hits a boot to the face, a DDT for a one and a two. Nice near fall right there. Tatanka with a body slam. Then he went up on the top rope and a chop to the head for a one and a two. Tatanka with a power slam for a one and a two. Tatanka with chops and a sunset flip and we're heading to the end of the match. Owen sat on top while hooking the legs for the pinfall. One, two, three. Owen Hart wins at the eight minute, 18 second mark. We go to this one, we look. Owen Hart, not available for quote in this one. However, Tatanka had a post-match quote and he said, I thought I had the match. Then I made a mistake with the sunset flip. I tried to pull Owen down and I leaned back a little too much working with a guy like Owen. A slight mistake that can be a big mistake, and it was. Owen wasn't available for quote. He had to get ready for his next matchup. And as we go on, we get another backstage segment, this time with Diesel and Shawn Michaels were interviewed by Todd Pettengill in the backstage area. Diesel let Bret Hart know that a jackknife powerbomb was coming for him. Shawn said that nobody in Bret's family liked him. Sean said that Diesel was going to be a new World Wrestling Federation champion. That could be a foreshadow to what we see later tonight with nobody in Bret Hart's family liking him. Very clever booking, very clever writing if you're paying attention. And if we're going to pay attention to this next one, we've got Jeff Jarrett, Double J, taking on the 1-2-3 kid in their first round matchup. Jarrett again coming in. And the kid was the face, and he was on a hot streak. However, if you don't know, 1-2-3 Kid would later be known as X-Pac in his WWE career. Basically, the kid was ready to go. And in this matchup, Jarrett started out with a hard whip to, into the turnbuckle. The kid got a roll-up, but Jarrett got out of it and hit a back elbow drop. And at this point, we're getting some more rope work. Then Jarrett hit a slingshot suplex followed by a fist drop off of the middle ropes. The kid was a spinning heel for a two count followed by a body slam. The kid was up top and he jumped and he flipped and Jarrett hit a move and the kid hit the mat hard. Jarrett went for an attack off the ropes but the kid just moved. Jarrett hit the ropes and he recovered. The kid hits a punch. The kid knocks Jarrett off the turnbuckle. The kid jumps on the cross body block. He got a one and a two. Jarrett hits the kid with a spinning kick. Jarrett then tripped up the kid and sent him into the turnbuckle. Jarrett went for his classic figure four leg lock and the kid countered into a small package and a one and a two and a three at the four minute 39 second mark. The one, two, three kid was ready for the win and the pin and he advances. Post-match, Jarrett hit two consecutive pile drivers on the kid for his good work and measure. The referee tried to stop him, but Jarrett shoved him away. Jarrett hit a third pile driver. Ref three referees were in the ring, and Jarrett did the fist drop from the top ropes a couple times. The fans booed loudly as Jarrett did the post-match beatdown, and we get the fist drops. Jarrett left with booze, 
doing his job and his kids slowly got out of the ring and was helped to the back. Quote from the one, two, three kid on this night. I've got to take my hat off to... So quote from the one, two, three kid here. Double J had a strategy plan. He went for my leg early in the match, but he made one mistake and that's all it took. I was able to get the three count on him. Jeff Jarrett commenting. They had a referee in there who gave me a quick count. I had a guy pinned numerous times during the match and all of a sudden he gets my shoulders down for less than a second and they call it a quick three count. A big ripoff. That's what it is for Double J. So at this point, we are now done with the first round matches. We're getting into the second round. And if you want to get into more wrestling action, since you, if you guys could, hit that like button. It helps me out a great deal. Or even consider subscribing if this is your first time at the channel. However, over on Twitter, at the Brian Atkins, also the fans of ProWrestling.com. My team over there, my group, my posse, my stable. John, Will, Heather, Carlos, you guys know who you are. Fans of ProWrestling.com. We do Wrestling Fans Inside every Sunday. Let's get in. Get in. We are getting into the WWF Championship. And we'd see one of my personal favorite feuds from the 90s. And that was early 90s. Bret Hart versus Diesel. Kevin Nash. I enjoyed these guys' work. I remember their match here. I remember their match at Survivor Series. And I believe that was actually in 94, later in the year as well, was the return match. And they also, I believe, had a match at the Rumble. This matchups and this rivalry definitely stood the test of time for me. And I enjoyed going back and watching these ones. So for this one, they get started. And we're expecting everything from a Bret Hart, Diesel matchup. So Diesel was uh, the Intercontinental Champion at this time, and he made his entrance with his buddy Shawn Michaels joining him. Michaels was not um, hurt. He was just off of this card for some reason, but they wanted to put Diesel against Brett on this show. So who's the guy leading him, basically? Who's going to be the one that comes out on top? Is this a stand-down to go towards Brett versus Shawn? Maybe someday. Brett made his entrance with WWF champion and his brother-in-law, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, joining him. Jim was actually married to Brett Hart's sister. They had the Hart Foundation tag team in the 80s, early 90s together. Really one of the all-time greats. Jim the Anvil Neidhart also played professional football at one point. Kevin Nash, fun fact, was actually drafted to the NBA in his career. However, Brett Hart versus Kevin tonight with the respective men in their corners. Brett coming in the fan favorite. And again, two months earlier, he won the title at WrestleMania 10. Diesel, being the Intercontinental Champion, um, was not on the line here. It was for the WWF Championship. Diesel used his power advantage that a big seven-footer would. And he hits a running boot, and then Brett crotched him. Right, and, and hit him with a headbutt. Diesel powered out of the slam. And Diesel just really playing the power game here against Brett. Diesel with a blatant choke against the ropes. He charged into the turnbuckle. Brett moved and Diesel hit the turnbuckle with a knee. Brett was retching in the left leg. And Diesel, along with the knee drive to the leg, Brett slapped on the figure four leg lock on Diesel. And he sold it well as he was able to get his hand on the bottom rope to break the hold. Brett continued working the left leg. He's working the legs. How do you chop down a tree one swing at a time on a big man? So that's what you do. You take out the knees. You work the angle. 
and you hope that you can get him grounded into a technical matchup because Bret Hart was one of the best technical wrestlers in the history. So at this point, we wanted to avoid that nasty jackknife powerbomb. Get him on the ground so you can get away from that. Diesel later on slapped on a bear hug, which was probably a spot that they wanted to do at one point. But Brett, with a eye rake, then off the ropes, he gets out of it and drop kicks Diesel over the top to the floor. Brett with a slingshot over the top. Diesel moved Brett to the floor, and that's about what it takes in terms of Brett, you know, hit some aerial moves. Diesel sent Brett back first into the ring. Diesel was well in control at this point in the matchup. And then at this point, we get a patented Bret Hart sternum bump slamming into the turnbuckle that led to a one and a two. Bret got a roll up, but Diesel came back with a clothesline for a two count. Diesel grounded Bret with a chin lock. That I never thought would see. But then a punch and a backbreaker got it too. Michaels went on the apron to take off the turnbuckle pad to help his friend. And Neidhart complained about it and the referee yelled at Neidhart. Meanwhile, Diesel held Bret over his shoulder in a backbreaker position with Brett getting out of that with a sleeper hold. The fans were not really into Brett on this one at this point, but Diesel was charged into the corner. Brett got the boot up and Diesel blocked the sleeper attempt by sending Brett into the turnbuckle. Diesel whipped Brett intentionally into referee Earl Ebner. And at that point, Sean distracted the referee and Diesel took the turnbuckle pad off to expose the steal. Once again, Brett blocked and whipped into the turnbuckle and that sent Diesel face first into the steel. Brett worked over Diesel with punches, a running clothesline, another clothesline, and a third clothesline brings the big man down for a two count. Brett get hit me, his patented Russian leg sweep at this point. And then we look on and we see that Diesel's getting tired. He's getting wore out. Diesel then into the turnbuckle and then Brett with his takedown into a sharpshooter attempt. Brett slamming the sharpshooter on, but Diesel got his hands on the bottom row. Brett with an impressive drop kick as Diesel took an impressive bump to the floor. And at that point, Diesel threw Anvil into the ring post, which led to Sean hitting Brett in the back with the WWF title. It's going to be hook or crook on this matchup. Diesel hit with an elbow, a drop for a one and a two, which drew a big pop from the crowd. And then Neidhart got on his hands and Michaels punched him out to the floor. After Diesel hit a jackknife powerbomb, Jim the Anvil Neidhart went into the ring and clotheslined him for payback when Diesel attacked Neidhart out on the apron, which led to a disqualification finish. The DQ hit. It's the 22 minute mark of the match, about 51 seconds. And the winner by disqualification is Diesel defeating Bret Hart here tonight. However, Bret Hart will remain champion because the championship can never change on a countout or a disqualification, which is what happened here in this matchup. But we got a lot of explaining to do. Why did Jim the Anvil Neidhart cost Bret Hart? Did he save his title for him because he knew he was in trouble with the big man Diesel? Or did Jim the Anvil Neidhart have ulterior motives in making Bret take the loss here? This will play out throughout the night. Remember what I said about Bret Hart's family not really liking him. The controversial finish showed Bret in the back looking for his brother, looking his brother-in-law looking for an explanation from his ex-tag team partner. Then we get another promo with Jerry the King Lawler 
getting ready with Todd Pettengale for his matchup with Roddy Roddy Piper later tonight. Lawler trashed everybody. He trashed the announcer, Art Donovan, saying that wisdom doesn't come with age. Also, Lawler said that he's the undisputed king, and that's the bottom line, and that's why he's going to main event. The King of the Ring tournament is created for him. Yes, he said that. Pettengold then said, Roddy Piper is donating money to sick kids in Toronto. And Lawler said he'll make sure nothing is going to those little brats in Canada. And that would be the main event that we're going to get later. Nice build up to that one. A nice little perk for that show. But now, it's tournament time once again with the second round of the tournament. Razor Ramon versus IRS. And we get this matchup starting in. And we'll find that Razor um, attacked Irwin before the match, sending him into the ring post on this one. And at this point, we get Irwin bounced off the ropes with an elbow drop and a backbreaker. This is the second match of the night for both men. Irwin charged Ramon, moved into her flying over the top rope. Ramon sent Irwin face first into the steel steps. Irwin got back into it with some kicks to the knees and elbows to the face. Irwin grabbed a chin lock while putting his legs on the bottom rope with the referee not seeing it. And this took over one minute to do. Ramon with punches and then a back elbow and a hard whip. Razor slammed Irwin down, grabbing the tie. And we then, at this point, basically get fans chanting, Irwin, Irwin, which was a fun chant back then. Razor with a boot to the ribs and lifted Irwin up for the ultimate Razor's Edge, slamming it into the ground for the one, the two, and the three at the five minute, 13 second mark. Razor Ramon advances deep into this tournament once again. Razor gets a post quote of me and the tax man got a little bit of history. We've been knocking heads all around the world. I never get tired of slapping the tax man around. Good quote by uh, Razor. Um, I do remember these guys fighting quite a bit, especially at the Royal Rumble around the same era for the Intercontinental Championship. IRS saying, Ramon tried to jump me from behind in the dressing room. Not only that, but I was handing my glasses to the ring boy prior at the start of the match, and he jumped me again. He was lucky to come out with a victory. Playing the heel, playing the part, and now we get Razor Ramon advancing on. At this point, we go on to our next semifinals matchup, and this is, we get Bret Hart again looking for Jim Neidhart, but and then we get Pet engaged backstage saying he wanted to interview the one two three kid but there was no sign of him it's the second semi-final match and at this point the one two three kid might have been too beaten up by jeff jarrett to participate in this matchup we would find out that that's not true because the kid has the heart of a fighter owen getting the bad guy kid playing the hurt baby face in this situation with the kid standing on the floor owen hit a drop kick and a suicide dive onto the kid onto the floor and Owen sent the kid back into the ring and he jumped off of the Superfly Splash for a two count. Kid with a hard whip into the ropes with Owen hitting a sternum up. The kid hits a cross, body block off the ropes for a two count, followed by a cradle kick. Fast forward just a little bit, we hit a Northern Life suplex at one point, but Owen got his foot on the ropes, breaking up the pin attempt. The kid with a back dive, he's fighting back in the ring. The kid went for a spin kick. Owen caught him and hit a bridging German suplex. It was just gorgeous and beautiful. And at this point, Owen hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex for a two count. The kid avoided a suplex, jumped onto the shoulders, got a roll up for a two. 
and Owen countered with a two count of his own. The kid jumped and Owen caught him, dropped him in a powerbomb. Owen slapped on the sharpshooter submission and with the kid giving up very quickly and the win at the three minute 37 second mark. It is Owen Hart advancing in this tournament from the semifinal matchup. The one, two, three kids comments and quotes that you probably never heard. He just said, I've got to take my hat off to Owen Hart. He's one of the best wrestlers, and he proved it tonight. Owen Hart getting his comment in there. No, of course not. He's not going to give you a comment because he's Owen Hart. He's focused. He'll save his comment for his final ceremony when he wins. Up next to break up the action and give guys some rest because it's remember they've wrestled three times in one night on these things. Rodney Piper was interviewed earlier in the day. We should get some footage of that. And it was a Coliseum video exclusive. But then we get the team of Yokozuna and Crush entering the ring with Cornette and Mr. Fuji as their manager. And you know, at this point, we look and we see the head shrinkers. That's right. That Fatu and Samu were joined by Captain Lou Albano and Afa as the champions. Part of that Samoan bloodline. Fun fact. Fatu of the Head Shrinkers, if you look closely, is actually Rikishi from many years later. But this was earlier in his WWF career when he was looking to basically be the World Tag Team Champions. So at this point, they are bringing their titles in to defend against Yokozuna and Crush. Shrinkers again coming in as the fan favorites. Fatu also is the father of Jimmy and Jay Uso. Samu is actually the son of Afa and Yokozuna and Crush coming in. Yokozuna was a former WWE champion and the nephew of Afa. So these are just kind of fun facts to know where these guys went in their careers. At this point, we get a slugfest and just a brutal matchup between these guys back and forth. Yoko getting whipped into the corner, Samu with a back kick, drop kick, a clothesline. And you remember last year it was uh, Yoko Zuna that actually beat Hawk Hogan for the world championship. One year later, the way a difference makes, Yoko Zuna lost that belt at WrestleMania 10 to Bret Hart. But at this point, his consolation prize is a team up and he's getting a tag team run for the next couple of years in the WWF. The referee wasn't looking. Mr. Fuji jabbed the Japanese flag into the back of Fatu, which led Crush into hitting the clothesline to take control. Crush hits a pile driver on Fatu and then a leg trip on Yokozuna. At this point, Crush with a body slam on Fatu. Yokozuna sits into the turnbuckle. We fast forward a little bit and we get a little bit of interference by Made in America Lex Luger coming out. He's got some history and some beef with Yokozuna. And he, with the SummerSlam the year prior when Luger was looking to try to win the championship himself and even at WrestleMania, Yokozuna went in legally with a leg drop on Samu, but the crowd reacted again as Luger was staring at Crush on the outside, who cost Lex a spot in the King of the Ring as well. Samu got a roll up on Crush for the one and the two, but Crush got back up and hit a clothesline on Samu. That roll up must have been the finish because I think Crush basically kicked out and he lost his balance. So at this point, it was Lex Luger that caused the distraction. Fatu went into the ring and then basically super kicked and covered Crush for the one, the two, and the three at the nine minute mark. And the head shrinkers retain their world 
WWF championships. Crush basically didn't sell the finish and then got on the floor and started fighting Luger off. And at that point, they went into the ring with the head shrinkers joining Luger and punching Crush out of the ring. Crush went back to fight for more, but Yokozuna pulled Crush to the floor again. And then at that point, the ring clears out. And we got to get the ring cleared out because we now have our King of the Ring Finals, the bad guy, Razor Ramon versus the Rocket, Owen Hart. This matchup would be ones that we're going to remember in history. It was Bret Hart that won it the year before. And it would be Owen Hart looking to match up his brother and get a King of the Ring title himself. And at this point, we do get the Rocket Owen Hart who going in and Razor again coming in as the face and the crowd favorite. At this point, we get some body slams with an elbow and Owen with a slap to the face. And he went for a drop kick, but Razor caught him and did a slingshot in the corner for a two count. They battled over a backslide pin that led to a two count for Ramon. There was a shoulder tackle by Ramon and then he went off the ropes. Owen with a stop and a to the gut, stomp to the gut, along with an eye rake across the rope. And at this point, these guys are just beating up on each other tonight. I will say, Owen Hart's been having a really great tournament tonight in a show of athleticism. Owen went up to the top. Razor blocked him on there, and Razor hit a belly-to-back suplex, which a move that Razor did all the time. The fans were getting into it as Owen hit a back body drop with Ramon on the ground, and Jim Neidhart went to ringside at this point, like he was checking on Razor Ramon. But then Neidhart decked him with a clothesline and a whip into the ring post. Meanwhile, Owen was distracting the referee during all of this. Owen jumped off the top rope with an elbow. A la Macho Man Randy Savage covering Ramon for the pin and the win. One, the two, the three at the six minute 35 second mark. And Owen Hart is your king of the ring. There was some pyro for Owen becoming king of the ring and Owen and Neidhart beat up Razor Ramon with some punches. Neidhart held Ramon in his arms and Owen ran the ropes with a classic heart attack via the Hart Foundation, kind of sticking it to his ex-tag team partner, Bret Hart and Owen's brother. The fans chant, we want Bret as the referee stoppage. Owen Anvil from continuing the attack. There was no sign of Bret Hart in this one. In an interview with Bret Hart was shown with Ray Rougeau there to interview him. Um, and then Bret said he couldn't believe what happened and he had nothing to say, and he was basically disgusted at the act of Jim the Anvil Neidhart betraying him and taking sides with his brother, Owen. At this point, Anvil was only in Brett's corner to make sure he didn't lose the WWF title, we find out, to Diesel, because he was hoping that Owen is gonna be the guy to beat Brett, and we would get that match at SummerSlam in a steel cage, one of the best Brett Hart-Owen matches that I've thoroughly enjoyed over the summer. At this point, Gorilla asked if he think the Anvil was smart, and Savage said that Owen might be. Macho Man then said that Razor is big loser here because he had the victory locked in. And you gotta wonder, we now have a coronation ceremony. And you gotta wonder, are we gonna get a speech by Owen? And we are. The coronation ceremony, Owen Hart was led to the stage with the entrance of the King of the Ring throne. He gets the throne, he gets the scepter, he gets the robe. Owen was joined by Jim Anvil, Neidhart, President Jack Tunney, and Todd Pettengill, making Todd Pettengill get on a knee and praise him. Owen let all the dumb people out there know he's King of the Ring. 
and he wanted respect for being the king. Owen said that he didn't want Jack Tunney, he wanted the only person in his family that he can trust, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, to present him with the crowd. Owen made Pettingill go down on the knee as mentioned. Neidhart gave Owen the scepter, put the rope on him, and sat on the throne. And again, at this point, we get Owen Hart with his first proclamation as king. From this day forward, he will be known as the Owen, the King of Hearts. And I want people to remember it with respect. He is the King of Hearts, and Owen left his new outfits. So at this point, Owen Hart gave his speech. He told his story. He's shedding himself. And this was the pay-per-view. Like King of the Ring did a really great job of building guys up to the next level to become main eventers. Very important that Bret Hart won the first year, or should I say the seventh year of this thing, but first televised year. But then Owen Hart goes on to win, and that just adds to the Bret Hart, Owen Hart storyline, and I feel like elevated Owen Hart to a true main eventer. And this is where he shed the rocket gimmick, the blue blazer gimmick, and he became the king of hearts. Nice play on words there. Great final king of the ring matchup. And at this point, we got to move on, but we're not over. We're in the main event with Jerry the King Lawler taking on Roddy Roddy Piper. We get a video package aired about Lawler and Piper's match and basically start trash talking each other back and forth throughout this. Roddy talking about sick kids. Lawler bringing in one of these kids to do a promo where Lawler threatened to beat up the kid and he wanted to help get Roddy out of this matchup. He said he won't get any money from this and at this point, the new generation is alive and here we go. We get two of the legends in the business, Jerry the King Lawler and we got Roddy Roddy Piper getting ready to go at it at King of the Rings main event for their second feature. Again, Piper coming in he was 40 years old while Lawler was 44 years old. It was Piper's first match in over two years since WrestleMania 8 in 92. Shockingly, it's crazy to think that there was that much time between Piper's matchup and this one. This matchup was more of a brawl fest. Piper was aggressive with punches along with some biting and whips across the ring. But when you're fighting Jerry Lawler, you're really playing the cowardly heel, the trash-talking guy pre-match, and post-match but not during and you're going against the guy that the crowd just wants to see get beat up piper blocks you know lawler try to boot to the face but he blocks it there was a kick to the leg it did an atomic drop and he sent lawler out to the floor piper went but lawler on the floor for some more punches some more chops and lawler went for a punch and piper caught the hand and sent Lawler's hand right into the steel post. Lawler went after a fan at ringside, choked him a bit, and Piper broke it up, so Lawler punched Piper. At this point, we will go a little further in this brawling of a matchup, and Lawler connects with a pile driver in the ring. And at this point, we do get Lawler taunting the crowd some more with a slow cover for a two count. Lawler with some punches, Piper wanted more, and Lawler did more punches. Piper spit at him while asking for more. Piper getting crazy. He got some offense going with a bulldog, so there's a move. Other than just some punches, Piper hit another bulldog. Lawler then countered with another bulldog attempted by shoving Piper into the referee. Cheat. He ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Which led to a ref bump. Lawler pulled out of the object from his tights. 
brass knuckles maybe, and Piper punched. Wall covered with a by Piper by an intimidator. Uh, referee Earl Evner did a slow count. Piper imitator locked Waller's uh, legs off the ropes. That was the fan or the Piper's corner at ringside. Piper um, hit a belly to back suplex, given Ebner a chance to slow count to give Piper the win at the 12 minute 30 second mark. Roddy Roddy Piper wins up the matchup with Lawler, gets his revenge for those sick children. But Piper tossed Lawler out of the ring, got a hug from Piper's friend or one of the kids actually that he was fighting for that got to be a part of the action. He was the um, imitation Roddy Piper in the Lawler skits building up to this. Piper lifted up the kid on his shoulders and the announcers tried to put over this as a pyro went off and it was a big deal. And that ended the show. After this, there was an exclusive Coliseum home video with Shawn Michaels and Diesel talking how they're going to get into the WWE title picture again. And then they kicked the cameraman out. That was kind of a weird little exclusive in there. I don't think it needed to be after the Piper match, but they could have worked it in at any point. Ultimately, this was the grudge match and it settled the score at the main event. And it would give us one of many Jerry Lawler's memorable matches. Ultimately, going at it. All right, guys, let's get into our final thoughts. First up, some final thoughts on this night. Fun facts for you guys. Things that you might not know about the King of the Ring 1994 edition. For once, the Steiner brothers actually left the company after their qualifying matchups for this event. Also, the WWE Magazine actually spoiled all the results for this matchup in their June 1994 edition. A week before the actual match of Tatanka and Crush aired on WWE programming. Darn those taped events. And then this was the event where the WWF started their new generation campaign. And it was a campaign against the marketing and the dismiss of Hawk Hogan and WCW saying out with the old generation and in with the new. And it had plenty of new young talent to watch in the WWF brand. Also, Diesel... That matchup, that 22-minute matchup, Diesel worked a match with a torn groin during the whole thing, which is really impressive when you go back and watch that match, that he worked with a torn groin the whole time. The Bret Hart autobiography notes that the touring schedule was very rough on the roster during this time. It's a great read, by the way. If you ever read the Bret Hart autobiography, it's not WWF published, so it's a really good read, and it's non-biased. Also, there's no tournament match on this evening that went past 10 minutes, even though some were allowing 20 minute matches to 30 minute matches. The new generation was meant to be faster paced and right to the action and right to the point. Sounds like the TikTok generation. But ultimately, I will say, WWF King of the Ring was a classic event. It elevated Owen Hart. It got a lot of people over and it really just did a lot to build for the future in this new push with the WWE Next Generation. Guys, I want to say thank you so much to all the supporters, everybody out there that's my friends in the IWC community. Thank you again. Uh, I forgot my shout-outs earlier in the video. Ted from Ted's Takes, always a consistent supporter of the channel here, and I like to support him as well. So I did want to give you a shout-out, Ted. I know you're always listening and watching. I appreciate you, brother. Anyway, guys, thank you. Those are my final thoughts for King of the Ring 1994. Thanks for watching.
like, share, subscribe, and it's not goodbye around here. It's game over.